Do you consider yourself a content creator? Are you building up a blog, a platform, a business around content? Are you on YouTube? Have you got a podcast like me? Well, have you ever thought about turning all that fantastic content into a side hustle, as in monetizing that content? That's what this episode is all about, because side hustles can actually turn into a full-time income replacement. And more than ever, content creators are making that happen. In fact, in a recent State of Side Hustle survey of over 2,000 people done by Podia, it's showing that the space of online courses, digital downloads, and membership, which is turning content into products, is only going to grow. And more and more folks are looking to leave their full-time employment to make a go of creating passive income than ever before. So if you want a little piece of that action, tune in to this interview. Are you tapping into your potential? Are you then taking that potential and turning it into a purposeful and profitable online offering so you can impact more people, share your skills and expertise and make a dent in the world? And are you doing this while living a life that fills you with purpose, happiness and opportunities for growth? This may all sound too good to be true and I am telling you it isn't. These are the big questions that I seek to answer on The Untapped Show, a podcast for go-getting humans who know that more is possible for them in life and who want to make real changes and live up to and beyond their human potential. In this weekly podcast, I share nuggets of wisdom on how to do this, combined with inspiring interviews with everyday humans who are doing this right now so that we can all learn from each other. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, lifelong learner, triathlete and lover of handstands and who took her humble blog back in 2010 and somehow managed to turn it into a multiple six-figure business by creating different revenue streams based around my skills, talents and knowledge and I know that this is possible for you too. So every single week that's what you're going to hear here on this podcast to give you inspiration, motivation, strategy and tactics to do this for yourself and to lead a purpose-driven life. So let's dive in to this week's show. In this episode, I interview Len Marketin, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Podia. Now, Podia is an awesome platform that you're going to be hearing more about from me. And if you want to find out more about it, head to nataliesisson.com forward slash P-O-D-I-A. Because if you are not a fan of technology, if you like keeping things simple, if you're thinking about or already selling a digital product, but you also want to sell an online course and you want to add a membership into that and you want to be able to have affiliates and you want it all in one platform, I kid you not, that's what Podia does. And I'm super excited about it and I'm already using it. That's how quickly my desire to use a platform like this happened. So I'm all over Podia and uh, that's not the emphasis of this interview, but I did just want to say please look them up. And there's a vlog coming your way about them. And as you know, I love tools. I love technology. I love trying things out. And I'm always attempting to get the best technology and tools for you. So you'll hear more about it. But in this interview, Len and I talk about just how many content creators are actually out there looking to quit their day jobs and replace their incomes with a side hustle. How many of those are going to do that in the next 12 months or less. Also, the three most common channels for monetization right now and how passion, profit, and potential all fit together as a content creator. Plus, you'll learn why you should consider taking your side hustle, if you have one, and turning it into a full-time gig. And if you're not doing any of this, this is still going to be a great show for you because you'll probably learn how some of these content creators are actually monetizing them 
and untapped is all about tapping into your potential and getting paid to be you. So enough of me, let's dive straight in. So I am here with Len Markadin today from Podia, and we're going to talk about the state of the side hustle, because this is something that's really, really dear to my heart. When so many people ask me, should I quit my job, or should I go all in, or should I actually have some form of income or some way of monetizing myself before I do that? Uh, Len, I'd straight off just love to know what your answer to that question is, because I always have my own. But what, what do you say to people who are maybe freelancers or still working in a job and really wanting to go out on their own, but not quite sure the best way to do it without risking everything? Uh, sure. Well, the best way to do it without risking everything is to not risk anything at all. Uh, <laughs> it's to uh, to dip your toe in the water. And what we're seeing increasingly is it's getting easier and easier and easier. And it's never been easier than it is today to take that first step, to lay that first brick. You know, we're seeing it across so many different monetization approaches, monetization channels that you know, there really is little excuses there's ever been not to start. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And one thing I love, we're going to talk about the state of the side hustle infographic that I'm looking at right now, where you surveyed 2000 creators to find out how they're monetizing their content. So this is really exciting. And I know people listening in are going to love this, but I just love the first line because it was the creator economy is booming and employers should be terrified. And I would have to absolutely back that up with what I'm seeing in and around the deep immersion that I'm doing in the future of work, that the state of jobs and organizations, how it is right now and its traditional sense is changing so quickly. And we basically have the ability to be able to reshape exactly how we want to work and live and where we want to be doing it, which is easier than ever before, thanks to platforms like yours and just technology and all the amazing communities out there that allow us to do that. So I guess we should actually just start with a little bit background about you, because you were mentioning to me that you've been an online course creator for around eight years. So let's tell the story of you, and then we'll talk a little bit about Podia, and then we'll get into this state of the side hustle, because I think people are going to be really excited to learn how they can monetize their content in themselves. Sure. So I am a, a marketer. I have worked in marketing for a little over 15 years now. I ran marketing at a company called Groove, which some people in the online space know for our blog. I also sold online courses about marketing and content marketing. Probably the best known one is Content Marketing Mastery. We had several thousand students in that uh, last time we launched it. Wow. And, and how long ago did you create that one? I need to look that up now. <laughs> that was in uh, 2000 and. I want to say 15, mm-hmm. we, uh, that course. Okay. And yeah, and it was, uh, you know, a few thousand students. The last launch we did had around, uh, 250 K in sales and it wasn't just me. It was, we had a great team behind it and creators that we, you know, even creators that we surveyed in this research that did far better than that. It was a very, very interesting and informative ride in creating something that can replace a job and uh, was really what led to where I am today, which is a chief marketing officer at Podia. I love that. They've obviously hired somebody super savvy and smart who's been there, done that, and knows exactly what it's like. Because I think until you've launched anything, until you've created content consistently for years and understand what it takes to actually grow an audience, grow traffic, grow trust and authority and an amazing community, as well as just what it takes to launch. I mean, it doesn't have to be that hard and I think it's easier than ever. But back when you probably started and I started, there just weren't all these platforms out there that did everything for you. It was such a hit and miss of plugins and Oh, just making things work and integrating different apps and software to make it all work. So um, can we talk a little bit about what Podia does? I'm really curious to uh, learn more about them too. 
Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, that pain, <laughs> I think everybody who is doing any sort of content creation, especially content monetization on the internet pre-2016 has felt that pain of having a business that's basically held together by digital duct tape. Yeah, uh, such a good way. <laughs> I love yeah, it. <laughs> basically where we all were. Uh, and that's why I was, you know, I was excited to, to find Podia. I was actually a customer of Podia before I joined the team. Mm. And I had been looking for a place to host the course and demoed Podia, met, met Spencer, the founder, and landed there with the course. And over a couple of years, I got to know the team very well and got to know the product very well and just got so excited about it that uh, it was a no-brainer to, uh, to join forces. And so Podia is a platform, not just for online courses, but for selling digital downloads, for selling memberships, for doing email marketing, all in one place. The whole point of the product is to remove that mess of digital duct tape to replace, in many cases, three, four, five, sometimes six different tools for creators. Okay, I'm really excited now, actually, because I hadn't done my due diligence. I love holding up my hand and being really honest on this. I had heard of Podia before, but I didn't realize that you did all those things. That's really interesting, actually, because a lot of the platforms that I work with really are focused in on one thing, which I think sometimes is smart. Otherwise, you get really scattered. And I know as a former co-founder of a tech company, the last thing you want to do is try and cater to anybody and everybody. But I do think um, just looking at what you do offer around online courses, digital downloads, and email marketing, those are those are pretty much the key things that any online marketer or anybody wanting to start or continue with their online business really needs. So, um, and that you do memberships, which is really interesting. And I'd be really curious to see um, how long has Podia been in business? Podia has been in business since 2014. Okay. All right, cool. So there was a proliferation, not trying to detract from it, there was a proliferation of online course content and software, I think, that came out around probably 2013, 14, and the really well-established ones who got it right are still there and doing really well. And every single one has its benefits, right? So what would you say if you were going to say the superpower of Podia is for those people listening who are like perplexed by all the different platforms out there? That's a great question. And, and you're right. I mean, there are so many options out there. And the reality is, I think there's room for all of us. I mean, online courses are, mm. I think the last research that I saw is that it's projected to be a $325 billion market by 2025. Holy uh, crap, so, really? Yeah. And so there's, 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 like yeah, there's going no up. one that's taking all of that. Wow. Uh, but for us, the superpower that we see in Podia is we're really for, you know, I think one thing that you said that really strikes at the heart of what product companies should be doing is building for the right kind of person. And for us, that person is the person who wants to create courses, wants to create downloads, wants to be a digital creator and sell their things online, but is scared of the tech, is scared of having to wrestle with all these different platforms, figure out how to make them talk to each other, figure out how to get all of these things working before they even have anything to sell. So that's our core creator, the creator who has something to share, who knows that they want to get started, but sees the tech as the biggest obstacle. Okay, awesome. Well, I think that's really smart because if, yeah, one of the hurdles or roadblocks that I hear most from my community is I just don't get the tech. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to them that that is not true. If people actually take the time to learn how to use a lot of the software and platforms, watch the YouTube videos, watch the help videos, I actually think it's, it's pretty easy and easier than ever in the step-by-step, -step, but still people seem to have this hang up in their head that I'm not a technically savvy person, I can't do this, and nothing could be further from the truth these days. Or you outsource and you find somebody who knows these software and tools inside out and can set it up for you. So kind of no excuses in my head, but I know that it's still 
and thinking back to when I did it, it is pretty scary. So I'm going on because I didn't want to like, this wasn't actually planned to talk all about phobia, but I do think it's really important for people to, you know, look at their choices and yeah, and really understand what they need out of tools and software. Wow, Kayla, my puppy, you are being so vocal this morning. I apologize. I don't know if you can hear her in the background. They're my podcast fans. I can, but no apology necessary. <laughs> listening just in case people think I'm like making lots of noises all right cool so let's come across this state of the side hustle because so 2,000 creators that you interviewed and do you mind if I sort of actually read out a couple of the results and we can talk to them because I think this is going to be pretty heartening for people listening and especially those of you in jobs who have been like should I quit my full-time job or maybe you're in a job where you create a lot of content and you're like man I could be I could be getting paid to do this myself. So you talked to digital content creators. So that's, we've got bloggers, podcasters, video creators, anybody else in that mix? I mean, I know that's the three sort of main stems, but anybody else in there, any speakers, coaches, consultants who write a lot of content to get themselves out there? There were. We spoke to some consultants. We spoke to some music uh, music creators as well. Hmm. Uh, and we did speak to some authors in the uh, in the mix too. Nice. All right. So some of the highlights, um, I'll do the first one. You probably have it as well in front of you, but I love this, that 40% of the creators that you surveyed have a day job, which is neat. And 73% of them plan to quit to become a full-time creator, which is fantastic because when I was speaking last week at the future of work is learning event, the absolute number one set of skills that we need to go forward with regards to automation, AI, and all the things that are changing and all the roles that will be disappearing is the unique skills that make us human. So our ability to be creative, intuitive, imaginative, empathetic. And so I can absolutely see how this is just going to become critical um, because there's only so much that you can program and teach robots and, and artificial intelligence. And this stuff that we do on the fly, this very human component, the voice that we have is really critical and something that only we can ever have for now. (laughs) so and then of the people who plan to quit their jobs 44 percent plan to leave in the next 12 months which is nuts were there any surprises for you there or have you just seen this trend you know coming for such a long time you know it's interesting that this became the first line in the published survey because this was a huge surprise for me was it yeah yeah, we we actually didn't um, even intend to ask this question when we set it out when we we set out to do the research and this was you know incredibly short-sighted of us but we ended up putting it in at the last minute and it ended up being the most fascinating piece of the research i think we know that when people start their creative entrepreneurship journeys that they aspire eventually to replace their full-time income I didn't personally realize, and I don't think our team realized just how soon so many of them hope to do that. And I think it just speaks to the incredible transformation that happens when you start to put your work out there, start to get paid for it and see what's possible. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Actually, it'd be fascinating to do a follow-up survey in 12 months time and see how many of those people said that's what they hope to do versus what they did. Or also how long it took for them once they decided to commit to that strategy and start monetizing their content, whether that's through, you know, affiliate links, their own courses, their own products, um, and then numerous other ways that you can, and how long it took them to sort of get to a point where they could replace their full-time income and feel really comfortable doing that. Do you think though, in all your years of doing this yourself, Len, that it's really about that replacing the income versus the purpose of the work? I'd be curious to know what you think on that front. I think that many creators, if not most that I speak with start because they have something they need to share. They have something they feel they need to get out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think that there's also a really transformative moment that happens when they realize that they can get paid for this and they can turn this into a business. And so it's not something that many people are doing, or it's not something that everybody's doing to optimize for cash flow. It's not something we're necessarily doing to optimize for the highest level of income. But I think for a lot of the creators we talk to, they're doing it, the pursuit of replacing their full-time income is in service of that purpose. They're doing it so that they can get paid to fulfill that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I ask that because I think, you know, a lot of people initially get driven by, oh, I'd love to replace my income or I'd like to make more money in my business. But ultimately, it's as you said, it's about they really want to share their gifts with the world and they just feel like they've been holding back on that. And now it's really about doing that. It's about the impact that they can make, the people they can teach, and that they'd actually be doing work that really lights them up versus something that somebody else has given them to do, which mm-hmm. always, if, if you have that purpose there, I think that's kind of the thing that's going to drive you and keep you um, motivated and energized and successful. Yeah. I think the purpose side of it is, is really, really important. We talked to a lot of creators who are just starting out. And one of the things we always tell them when they're choosing a topic or they're choosing what business they're going to start is we have this matrix that we use and the two axes on it are passion and profit. And so for profit potential, you know, if you're doing it to build a business, you want to make sure the potential is there to make a profit. So you want to chart it there, but also you want to chart it based on how passionate you are about the topic. And a lot of it is for exactly the reason that you just said, if you are building something that you feel needs to see the light of day, needs to be out into the world, you're going to get through those valleys, those hard parts of building a business. Because building a digital product business is not too dissimilar from building any other kind of business in that there will be highs and lows. But if you're super passionate about it, if you feel like you're driven by something more than just money, you're much more likely to get through those tough parts. Yeah. And I actually, I think with that little chart that you've got of passion and profit, I think I'd love potential on there as well, (laughs) if I may be so bold. Because when people hear, you know, follow your passion or that line, which is, I don't know, it's a tough one. In some ways, it's good advice, but most people don't just wake up passionate about something. They wake up kind of excited about something, they get better at it, they do it more, and then before they know it, it's actually a passion of theirs. But I don't think I know of anybody who just straight away starts out with, oh my gosh, I'm passionate about this. So follow the potential that you see, and it will most likely turn into a passion for you that you profit from. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I think we need to edit our chart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you put a little asterisk right as proposed by smart asses? Um, <laughs> okay, so the second one out of the survey that was really, really interesting was that the most common channels for monetization are selling digital products at 70%. So you're obviously including courses in there as well as digital downloads, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and membership sites. And then consulting and freelancing at 49%, which is great. And then ad sponsors or donations at 15%, which is pretty much fits in with probably if I look at my revenue generation over the last four or five years with my business, I could pretty clearly see that's about the same for me. So 70% usually came from courses and online products and donations and sponsorships and ads. Well, I never really did ads, but sponsorships would probably be around that 15, 20% mark. Um, And the rest would come through coaching, speaking, retreats, et cetera, which is fantastic because if I dropped that other sort of 30% of revenue, so much of that could be automated or I don't love the word passive, but residual income where there wasn't a huge need to turn up live to actually be able to make money and the old you're making money while you're in your sleep thing still sounds so cheesy and tacky, but it's really amazing when it first happens, right? I mean, Lynn, you probably remember that when you, you put out a course, you put it up 
and you know maybe you launched it at 4 p.m in the afternoon and things were going great you monitored it and then you went to bed excited tired at like midnight because that's what you do on your first course and you woke up in the morning and there was still money coming in like it's I don't know why it still surprises people that if you set up a very successful platform funnel and system you should technically be able to make money all the time especially if you're serving the right customers and you have a product that they really value and that they need and that they can access at any time it's not rocket science but I think more people are on board with that now but initially way back when I started out it just sounded like a pipe dream and it sounded like some spammy marketing (laughs) tactic (laughs) yeah if Instagram was around then probably would have had lots of oh wow yeah up on the beach photos but uh (laughs) i think more and more people see that it's possible now but it's certainly come with some baggage uh, and some some connotations based on what some folks have done to bludgeon the term but you're right it's not rocket science it's it's absolutely something that can happen and i think the reality is that what it takes to see that is is just trying it and just creating something that creates that residual i love that term residual income over passive income i think it's really interesting to see people realize that when you stop selling your time to a few people and can start selling the value of your experience and your expertise to effectively an unlimited number of people, that's when people start to realize that they don't necessarily have to do one-on-one client work and they still, they still can, but they don't have to, and they can quote unquote, make money in their sleep. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, And why I love residual is that there's always going to be some effort that you have to put in in order to create and maintain a really solid revenue stream. You can't just walk away from it. There's very few that I think you can do that unless you have a managed fund that's managed by other folks or sometimes in property where you've got it all set up and it's, it's all just ticking over. But very very unlikely where you don't actually have to put in some effort. Nothing's truly, truly, truly passive, but you can get pretty close, which is amazing. And then you can spend your time doing more things that you love even more. So the next stat that came out of that survey was that consulting and freelancing is the highest earning channel for 41% of creators, while 30% list their digital products as their highest earning channel. So pretty close there, but I'd be really curious to see whether the people who are using consulting and freelancing either haven't dialed in their funnel yet for selling their courses or digital downloads or whether they, a little bit like me, after years of doing that and realizing, well, it's great to have these residual courses and income coming in from that and all the time that you spent creating that content. But I still really loved the live aspect of working with people. That's why I continued to do workshops and retreats and webinars and just any way in which I could connect with real people because there's a certain something for my personality type that I need to have that human connection and that just having a ton of courses online that were ticking away in the background doesn't really suit my personality. But for some people, it's absolutely a dream it just means they can set it up they can continue to maintain it and improve it but they can also go off and do all sorts of things and not have to be tied to any one sort of business model or any way of making money so have you done anything around personality profile types strengths weaknesses kind of aspect as to who chooses consulting and freelancing versus who chooses course creation and digital products We haven't done any personality profiling. I think it's a really interesting idea. One of the things that we did find when talking to creators in this process is that many people find kind of the same thing that you're describing here, which is you build this digital product business and all of a sudden you start to miss that connection of the one-on-one engagement or the one-on-a-few engagement rather than the having a course platform between you and your, uh, your students. But one of the other things that we see, an interesting phenomenon, is that the more successful one's digital product business becomes, 
the more income they can actually generate from coaching, from consulting, from masterminds and retreats and things like that, because they build this community, they build this brand. And invariably, that community is going to catch some people who maybe don't want the course, but they want the high touch, the one-on-one, the hand-holding. And it creates a lot of new opportunities for consulting, for freelancing that might not have been there before. So true. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's absolutely 100% what happened with me. Um, I mean, yes, you have to build a community and a little bit of a following and some credibility first, obviously. But as people start to see you putting out more great content, if you're actually really effective at teaching and you're helping them, then they're always looking at ways like, hey, Natalie, outside of this course, which ways can I work with you? So I think that's where a lot of people come up with, okay, well, maybe it's coaching and I'll go and get some certifications in that or just get some really, really good, solid experience because not everybody can be great at coaching, but they might also say, great, I can offer some services here. I can do some consulting. We could you know, work with other people with partnerships and just expand your offering. So yeah, I think that's a really, really valid point. Because it still takes a lot of effort for somebody to put themselves out there to create online content and also package that into courses and products and do it really, really well. So there's, even though you said it's going to be, what, a $325 billion market and some people may be listening. What was that, sorry? That's what they're telling us. Yeah. And some people may be listening going, well, what the heck are we going to do with all these courses out there? But as I keep saying in my future of work studies, like we all need to become lifelong learners. So there's going to be no shortage of people who are looking for and craving this content and specific niche courses and opportunities for them to learn as quickly as they can and become leading learners themselves. So there's no end to the amount of stuff that we can learn from, study, interact with. And the way in which people are learning is getting just fascinating. So the ways in which we're engaging more, and I'm going to talk about this in a a future podcast, but there's some really cool things coming through with virtual reality and the way in which people are are using a mix of curriculums online and then peer-to-peer flip classrooms, all sorts of cool stuff, which you probably know a ton about, but it's, that's the bit that I think a lot of course creators are going to need to be looking at next. I'm not going to go into it too much here, but it's actually not just slapping a course up there, but how are you going to make it engaging, interactive and effective? Because I think the stat is still something ridiculous, like 90% of people don't finish a course. Is that, do you have stats from your own platform that you're always trying to improve? Like how do you work with your content creators to create better more engaging, more effective courses? We do. So we spend a lot of our resources on creating content and training for our creators because, yeah, I mean, those stats are reasonably consistent industry-wide around course completion rates and, and student retention rates. There are a lot of different approaches and a lot of different ways that creators can look at that. And historically, it's been through different kind of engagement points throughout the course and communities and things like that. But you're right. I mean, I think the landscape of how you do that and how you're expected to do that as a course creator is going to change dramatically. Yeah, I'm really excited for it, actually, because I think the way in which people have been given the learning opportunity for the last whatever, even 30, 40 years has just been a little bit too standardized and a little bit too rigorous or I can't even that's not even the right word, but just unimaginative and uh, I'm loving seeing some of these schools out there in the world um, like the green school in Bali where they just have completely reimagined education and so I'm just putting that out there for those listening is that not only do you have an opportunity to create content to monetize that to earn a really good living from it but also you have 
the ability to make it interesting, engaging, as I said, but also really start looking at different ways of being able to do this that other course creators maybe aren't. And in the past for me, I know whenever I've had a live element or some form of ongoing group coaching or even meetups to discuss what you're learning or having people as accountability partners to take it offline and um, work through it together, that's when the learning gets really interesting and exciting. And that's when you ultimately become way more valuable as somebody who's creating this content and guiding and leading people on it. So food for thought for those of you listening. All right. The next step is one that I'm really curious about. So even though you were saying the consulting and freelancing is still the highest earning channel in the survey, 73% of the creators said that they plan to increase how much they sell products directly to their audience, which makes sense because it's easier than ever. And 37% of creators plan to decrease how much they monetize through consulting and freelancing, which I get because that can be trading time for money if you're not doing it super well or you don't have it organized in that way. But it was interesting to see that 39% plan to decrease decrease how much they actually earn through third parties like advertisers, sponsors, and affiliate partners. So curious to know what you see driving that trend there because that can actually be quite a lucrative form of revenue stream. And if you partner with great product services, people, especially if you don't want to create as much content or as many courses and products, but you can benefit from what has already been created and sell it well. Why do you see that as a declining area? So I think that you're absolutely right that partnering with fantastic brands and fantastic products and driving affiliate revenue for those products is not only lucrative, but you know a very smart channel strategy for a lot of creators. I think one of the challenges that we see is many creators struggling to actually align themselves with those types of brands and products. What they find themselves doing is trying to court any sponsor that will listen and any partner that will listen and any advertiser that will give them some money. And what that creates is a misalignment between them and their audience and essentially drives a wedge between them and their audience, selling their audience to a brand or to a partner that the audience isn't really moved by. And it just creates a worse experience. And so these creators are realizing that if I can create something myself and sell it directly to my audience, I can own that relationship. I can build a better relationship with my audience. I can sell more products to them directly and create not just a more engaged and happy audience, but create a more profitable experience and a profitable business for myself without having to sell things that I don't necessarily believe in. I think that the key to doing affiliate and third-party revenue successfully is what you said, working with great products, but I think it's a challenge for a lot of the creators in our community. Yeah, that's true, actually, because if I think back when I started out, I was very, very particular about who I supported as an affiliate and always is and had to be somebody that I've used myself and loved and really recommended and aligned with what I was helping people do, which is build an online business. But for me, there were so many great tools out there. It was a bit of a no-brainer. But there were definitely times where I was like, okay, I think at some point now I can start creating course or valuable information around this because I have a better handle on it or I think I can do it in a better way. But I guess if you are starting out and you're really trying anything and you're advertising and you don't always have the say over who you want to align with until you get a little bit more pull power and a little bit more influence. But I still think that you can have the integrity behind that and be really careful on who you choose. And another thing is you can also promote your own products as if it's sort of sponsored by, see a few people do that on podcasts now, like this is brought to you by me and I'm wanting to share this with you today. And just different ways of going about it, actually, I think, which can make a lot of sense for people. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Being your own sponsor is also a, a terrific strategy. Yeah, I mean, why don't we do that, do that more? Or talk about the tool or thing that you love, but do it through your own sort of uh, voice as well. So I was really interested as well that looking at the percentages of the actual people you surveyed, so 62% of them were writers, really. So they're, they're blogging, they're creating newsletters and articles, which makes sense. And it's actually really neat to see that that is still so high because I kind of thought that the content side would, you know, the writing and blogging would start to tail off. But I still think people just love reading and there's different ways in yeah. which you can consume content now. And as much as there's videos and audios, and I'm a huge fan of podcasts and audio books, there's still something about writing that is just amazing to be able to get the voice of the person and read it in your own time and really synthesize that. I see that there's about 28% is through video. I imagine you think that is going to rise quite a lot, huh? I think so. I don't think that there's anything that's going to stop that train rolling, especially now with the growth of Twitch and with uh, multiple platforms that have come out in the last even 12 months to help people stream live video. Every social network is adding live streaming to their uh, feature set. I think we're going to see more and more and more video content. Yeah, me too. And the other thing that I found really fascinating is that quite a lot of the people are, are sort of in my age bracket. Well, I'm slightly more than the 30 to 39 age bracket, but I really thought it might be a lot more young people within your survey. And I know it's only around you know, 2000, that's pretty significant. So 22% was 20 to 29, but almost 40% was 30 to 39, which sort of shows you that this demographic that maybe has been doing it for quite a lot longer is still in there and they're still doing well. Yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I found that interesting too. And I think it's very, you know, I've worked in software for my entire career and it's kind of not dissimilar from the stereotype of the tech startup founders are all 18 or 21 years old. And, you know, whereas the reality is, if you look at the demographics of funded companies, uh, funded by venture capitalists in the last 18 months, I think the averages actually look very similar to this, where the overwhelming majority are 30 years of age and older. I think we just don't, it's just not as interesting to stereotype that way. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't tell quite as, quite as good of a story. And so the media ignores that. But the reality is there are people of all ages that are not only creating content online, but there are people of all ages that are getting started. Because we, have, we had a question in there around how long you've been monetizing your content. And there are many people that are doing it less than one year, people doing it between one and three years, and people doing it more than three years. And the reality is that age breakdown was actually pretty even in all three of those buckets. And so there are people that are in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, who have been creating content online for less than a year. And I think to me, that's inspirational. That's one of the most common objections that, uh, that we hear is, I'm too old to get this, either for a million different reasons. One being, you know, not getting the tech, which you talked about before. I agree. That's something that if anybody spent time with it, they would get it eventually. And then people just generally kind of feeling like that opportunity has passed when I think that the data shows that it's simply not true. Yeah. And I think it's really heartening. So for all of those of you listening out there thinking you have to be a millennial, um, it's, wait, great, go for it. Please do. Uh, you've got youth and beauty and brains on your side. But um, definitely, I just love that it's all about, for me, consistency and seeing some of the content creators that gosh, I've been following or started out with, you know, 10 plus years ago, still just going at it, loving it, becoming better educators, just constantly improving on their skill sets like copywriting and understanding online marketing and SEO and all those things that come with it. It's a really, it is just such a fascinating area to be in. And once you start out doing one thing, you definitely continue to learn in other areas. And that just makes you a better all round 
marketer and hopefully content creator and even freelancer slash business owner for the future. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see those stats as well. I'd be curious to know within your audience, are you able to share a couple of the most popular areas that people actually have products and courses in? Are you seeing any trends there as well that people are doing well in specifically, or are there some really interesting little niches that are starting to come through? Sure. So we look across, you know, 23,000 plus creators at this point, and, and we try to, we do our best to categorize them and see which ones are growing. And we're seeing both. We're seeing emerging trends across you know, some very specific markets. And we're also seeing some very interesting niches coming up. So for example, wellness and meditation and mental and spiritual wellness is, I don't, I've never seen a segment of our creator market grow so quickly. We're seeing more and more and more trainers and educators around meditation and around mental health and mental wellness and, and spiritual wellness. I think that's been really interesting and probably reflects the market as a whole. I'm sure you know, book sales in those areas are, are rising as well. It's becoming pretty mainstream and, and you know, you know, becoming a part of the greater conversation that we're having about health, which is good to see. We're seeing creators in the general health and wellness space do very, very well. Um, we're seeing creators in the entrepreneurship and marketing space continue to do very, very well. That's kind of the cliche stereotype around that is, you know, course creators teaching courses about creating courses. But the reality is that you know, we're seeing people in this space make a massive impact and seeing a lot of course creators born out of those industry students. We're also seeing exceptional growth in uh, the designer uh, space. So we have a lot of graphic designers, illustrators, and you know, visual artists beginning to embrace the idea of teaching their craft and building communities around their skills. And as far as niches go, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of, you know, everything from rooftop gardening to spreadsheet mastery to organization to, you know, minimalizing your closet. Uh, everything <laughs> is that. Exactly. Exactly. I thought exactly. I thought when I was a suitcase entrepreneur, but clearly I wasn't focusing on talking about how to live minimally out of a suitcase enough. <laughs> 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 no, that's. Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of them are taking your cue, though. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> it does make such a difference to be minimal. What I was going to say is, I'm definitely seeing the health and well-being aspect coming through hugely, just with the continuous studies on how stressed out people are, the amount of burnout, the rate of that, the epidemic of people relying on drugs and things to calm their mind, anxiety. So I think it's definitely needed. And mindfulness and meditation and yoga have just been becoming so much more popular, but for good reason. So really excited to hear that coming through. So what's your sort of, if you could hold up a, a glass ball and a prediction for the next three years, what do you think is one of the key things that my listeners can kind of go forward with some heart that is going to help them out on their journey to becoming content creators and really monetizing their skills, knowledge, and experience? What would you say is either one key trend or one key area that they could focus on to really make sure that it's a success for them? I think the one key thing that they can focus on is playing to their strengths and using their strengths to identify a path forward, to identify you know, potential, which you talk so much about. You know, one of the big things that stops a lot of creators is I have this idea that I want to do something. I want to build a business. I want to build a side hustle. I want to you know, share something with the world, but I don't know what. And whether we realize it or not, we all have a superpower and 
the easiest way to identify that is to realize that almost everybody in your life is a go-to person for something for you. Almost everybody in your life. If you have something with, if you have a question about travel, you're going to go to Sally. If you have a question about where to invest your money, you have that friend, Paul, who always knows what to do. If you have a question about uh, you know, event planning, you have that other friend who knows everything about that and they're going to help you out with that. And we have all of these people in our lives and we often totally miss the fact that we are the go-to person for everybody around us for something. And I love that. That's such a good way of putting it. I mean, I always say that people come to you for something because you know something that they don't or they really go, oh gosh, you're so good at doing this. But I really, yeah, I really like that there's always something that you, if you're flipping it, you go to for that experience, that knowledge, the answers to your question. And for people who are listening to think about, okay, what is it that people always say to me, I'm really good at, but I, it comes naturally to me. So I kind of dismiss it. So yeah, thanks for flipping that. I often talk about that, but it's neat to hear it from the other point of view. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Untapped. I mean, I think this is just such perfect timing, the rise of the side hustle um, the glory that can come to the freelancer who is going to take their skills and talents and monetize it every which way and just the possibilities that are out there. So yeah, I've just been really thrilled to talk about this. I will link to the infographic in the show notes and all the good details about Podia as well. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show, Len. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really just loved jamming on the results of that survey and it so feeds into what I've been talking about here on Untapped, which is around the future of work and how we get to design exactly how we want to work, where we want to work, on what we want to work and in the way in which we want to work. It's a side hustle, a freelance gig, it's a business, it's an online platform. There are so many ways, consulting, coaching, jobs, that you can create your own jigsaw puzzle of a professional life that fits in with your lifestyle. And I'm getting pretty damn excited about the fact that more and more people are finally cottoning on to this. Because as you may have heard in a previous episode, I've been doing this for like 10 or 11 years before it even became known as the future of work and before I even knew that's what I was doing. And it still amazes me when people are like, how do you do what you do? <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, please read my book. Or maybe let's go back a decade and I'll show you how it started. So that's what I'm trying to do on these interviews is just you are already super savvy and smart. That's why you're listening to Untapped. That's why you're awesome. And I thank you. But if you can share this episode with somebody who still just doesn't get how even the simple art of creating great content could actually earn you money and a wonderful lifestyle, please, please share it with them. They can head to nataliesisson.com forward slash 035, or they can just head to my site, or you can share it with them. You can share the link if you're listening in on iTunes or Stitcher. I love the way they have that really simple share button. I use the podcast app, and it's just cool because you can just share it to WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or wherever, however you want or wish. And if you like this episode, that would be the most awesome thing for you to do is share it with somebody who you like so that they can learn a little more. Tune in next week where I've got another fantastic interview with a dear friend who has completely fallen back in love with her business after kind of coming 360 circle on it. And I think many of you will be able to relate if you're listening to this. I've gone through it myself and I just love hearing stories of how they do this. It's always intriguing to me. Untapping their potential in all sorts of ways. I'm Natalie Sisson. I'm going to let you get on with your fantastic day. I appreciate you and remember... You are always capable of tapping into more of your potential.